0: Let's stand together. We, we should read these words together um, as a body. so strong. Let's read together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you uh, today. Keep your Bibles open. You'll find it also on the worship folder. We're looking this morning at that passage we just read, Romans 8. 35 to 39. It's a beautiful winter's day. <laughs> we decided this year we would skip summer and go straight to October. I hope that's okay. Romans 8:35 to 39. Keep uh, your finger in the Bible and keep that passage open. Now, we're thinking about God's love this morning, and as I was considering this, it seemed to me that this was actually quite a tough passage to preach in our current cultural and even uh, personal circumstances for you, perhaps. A message about God's love appears to many people today to be unrealistic and impractical. It was not always the case, I suppose. Back in the 1960s, in the summer of love, when the slogan was, Make love, not war, uh, perhaps some seem to think that uh, idealistic notions of peace and love Uh, would counter all the terrors of previous ages, not so much today. Of course, uh, in uh, contemporary culture, we still champion love. It was uh, Prince, the rock star, who recently died, who went through a series in his career when he replaced his name with an unpronounceable symbol, which he called the uh, symbol of love, Uh, the artist previously known as Prince, the symbol of love. But for many of us, love seems unrealistic and impractical. Now, of course, at a personal level, we know that families uh, that love their children will tend to produce more psychologically healthy children. We we know that um, love can glue together two otherwise disparate individuals into a lifelong covenant of marriage of love. Well, we certainly know love is important, but it's private. It's not something that's really going to make a public difference. We want to be loved and to love in return, but do we really think that love is something that can overcome the terrifying news of our day? I suspect not many of us, if we were real in our response to that question, would say that we do. Uh, We are more likely to uh, viscerally, instinctively respond to the latest terror act in the news with uh, violent vengeance desires, hate maybe, love? Uh, do we really think that the answer to a beheading of a Christian in the Middle East or uh, closer to home, someone who's uh, forced out of their business for standing up for their moral principles, that the right response to that is, is love? Love? It would seem, if we take Paul seriously here in our passage, that uh, the biblical answer would be yes. Uh, Of course, uh, as we contextualize this in the overall theme of Romans and the Bible, of course, uh, the Bible recognizes the role that the state and military power can and at times should play. Uh, Romans 13, later in uh, this book, will talk of the authorities that rightly bear the sword. uh, And uh, Paul himself, uh, in his... Uh, missionary uh, career appealed to Caesar for justice a little after writing this letter. And earlier in his ministry in Corinth, uh, it was the proconsul Gallio that uh, helped him to have the freedom to preach the gospel in the ancient world, a a, a principle that actually allowed for some uh, relatively brief season, but a significant one, the the Christians at the time to have freedom to preach the gospel in uh, ancient uh, society. Oh, there is a place, of course, within the Christian worldview for political advocacy. It's a very important place. Some of you will be doing that. And there is a place for military strength within the Christian worldview. Some of you, and I pray for those who serve in our military forces um, every, every day, different numbers of our family members, there is, of course, a place for that. But those kind of ideas are easier for us to grasp, I think, today. Less easy for us to accept is that we can overcome, be a more than a conqueror, a conqueror through the love of God. It just seems an alien world. But that is the theme of the passage. It's written to a church that was in the most brutally vicious city the world has ever known. There were gladiatorial combats, there were criminals thrown to the lions. It was the heart of the greatest military empire the world has ever seen, a conquering empire. This church has been told that when faced with opposition for their faith, it is God's love that will make them more than conquerors. It's God's love that will enable them to conquer even the Roman Empire. You may remember that last week we uh, celebrated the extraordinary assurance that we who are in Christ can have the final judgment seat of Christ and the freedom that gives us with that confidence then to take risks for God and the world today and live for Him. This week, though, we're not so much in that place uh, of the final judgment seat of Christ. We're actually in this world, in this present reality. Where counterintuitively, the Bible says it is God's love that makes us more than conquerors. Well, how can we enter into that and experience that? I think this passage tells us that it is as we ask the real questions. We don't pretend. We ask the real questions and then look at the truth. So first, uh, first ask the real questions. Look with me at verses 35 and 36. Here it is again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's an important question to ask. And then it is listed. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. And then a Bible text is brought in for support. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, These are very real kinds of questions and feelings that Christians do at times sense. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who, interestingly, when he, he wrote two books on suffering, the first book he wrote on suffering, a very brilliant book, was much more intellectual. But then when his wife died of cancer, he wrote a different kind of book as he wrestled personally with it. And when he wrote that book, he said that the problem he faced was not whether god existed as he suffered the problem he faced was what kind of god it was that did exist if this had happened to him or rather more humorously i love the story of it may be apocryphal but i hope it is not it's so good i love the story of mother teresa it is said that Mother Teresa was one time uh, on a, on a uh, donkey ride in India with some of her disciples, and uh, as she was riding along this sort of dirt road, the, the donkey sort of uh, bucked her off, and she fell off the donkey and landed straight on her derriere in a puddle of water, right, right in front of all the disciples. And it said immediately, Mother Teresa said, looking up to heaven, God, if that is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few. I've uh, wondered the same myself at times, haven't you? In uh, his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, he had five times received the thirty-nine lashes, three times been beaten with rods, one time almost put to death by being pelted with stones, three times shipwrecked, a night and a day adrift at sea, danger from robbers, dangers from rivers, dangers in the city in hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and on top of everything else, carried the daily burden of the churches. It's more than a bad day at the office. If anyone had reason to feel separated from the love of Christ, it was Paul. Now, that makes me ask this. What questions about God's love do I have or you have? Perhaps you felt rejected by your parents. Were you separated from God's love? Perhaps uh, you've been through divorce. Has that separated you from God's love? Uh, Perhaps uh, you were hoping for a a significant relationship to turn into marriage, Uh, but you broke up. Are you separated from God's love? Perhaps your career has taken a nosedive and are you now separated from God's love? Perhaps you're getting old. I'm now in my mid forties and it feels like all I need to do to strain a muscle is go to sleep. (laughs) Uh, I'm told it's only going to get worse. Are you separated from God's love? Or let's make it cultural and global. Terrorism. Can they separate us from God's love? You see, the Bible encourages us to be real. And nowhere is more real than the Psalms, which is why Paul quotes from one of them in verse 36. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, whenever the New Testament quotes from the Old Testament, it's important to understand the story. And in that psalm, God's people had experienced a surprising defeat. In this instance, it was not because they'd done anything wrong. And so they cannot understand why they should have been defeated. And again, how then can they overcome? The psalm ends with confidence in God's hesed, his covenant love. And what they do is they remember how God gave them great victories in the past and it leads them to confidence in the future. John Calvin commented on that psalm in this context here. He said it's it's been put here to show us that it's no new thing for the Lord to permit his saints to be undeservedly exposed to the cruelty of the ungodly. Well, have you experienced that? You see, it's one thing to to suffer for doing something a little foolish. I mean, it's another thing to suffer for doing the right thing and doing it as wisely as you can possibly manage, for being innocent as a, as a dove and cunning as a serpent, as Jesus urged us to be. Uh, one uh, college student once, uh, once told me of a class she was in at a medical school The professor had uh, told them to all complete a survey about medical ethics. And in this survey, there were different choices that you had to make over various ethical dilemmas. And in one uh, one of these boxes that she checked, she was the only one who checked no in the whole class of, you know, a couple hundred people or something. And it was the, no, I would not perform an abortion. And so the professor got all the surveys back and he'd gone through them all. And he said, There's just one person who uh, checked that box uh, that, she, that um, she was standing up for life in, in the womb. And, uh, oh, okay, okay, who's the Christian? Stand up. And she told me she stood up. And then they laughed. It's not being killed, but it is suffering for the name. And you say, well, why do, we, why do we need to bother? Why do we need to bother to ask these real questions in church? Can't we just be like, rah, 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 let's go, let's be excited. Why do we have to look at reality? Because if you do not face up to the real questions in the context of this beautiful building, how will you have the strength to live for Christ in the world? So, you must ask the real questions, but of course, not stay there. So, let's now look at the truth, which is indeed thrilling. Since verses 37 to 39, let's, let's, let's listen to it again as I read it for us. Verses 37 to 39, feel not just the rhetoric, but the truth of these words. Often just read as rhetorical, which, which it, is. it is. It is amazing rhetoric here of, of the Apostle Paul. But it's, it's so powerful because there's truth. Now look at this truth. Listen to it. No, he says, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors, how? Through him who loved us, why? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from, what? The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are three things we need to look at. The first is this no, no, no. No. Sometimes when you're suffering, you just have to refuse to even consider any alternative but the truth. That's why I love, there's a famous uh, saying by one of the uh, great former presidents of Whedon College who put it like this, do not doubt in the dark what you've seen in the light. I love that saying. You may be in the dark right now, Do not doubt what you've seen in the light. Just say, no. My friend, suffering and pain is not the moment to build a theology. It's the moment to rely upon the biblical convictions you've already established and then in that moment just say, no, refuse to doubt them. When the wind and waves storm against the castle of your faith, Do not then overthink. Just utter an apostolic, no. Could I be separated from God's love? No. Well, that's uh, all very well. But what is the foundation for that as we are in this beautiful building? We do have a moment to think it through. How and why is that the truth? Because then look at the cross. Look at this, no. Look at the cross. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want you to notice very carefully, it's important to read the Bible carefully, the tense of that word love. He does not say through him who loves us, though that is true. He says through him who loved us. It's the aorist. It's about a particular completed action. Ask yourself this, when was it that God loved us? Well, we know, don't we? God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us at the cross. Now this is deeply practical. See, the way to drive out doubt and fear is to fill your mind and your heart with the death of Christ for you. That's how to do it. When everything in you screams that God cannot love you, look at his scars. Look at the nails in his hands. Look at the crown of thorns on his brow. Yeah, this thing over here may well seem to say, God cannot possibly love me. I remember one day when I was facing the reality that I could not explain why it was that God, who I knew was the omnipotent being of the whole universe, why God would have done such a thing if he loved me. There was no way intellectually I could explain it. That is, I could not construct a story of possible events that would make sense of this event that would lead to a good outcome. I just couldn't do it. I refused to go there no but being more than a conqueror did not come until I looked at the cross how could I doubt or deny that he loved me how could I would the one who carried the cross not carry all my burdens Christian, the way to be more than a conqueror is to look at the cross. It is the counterintuitive fixed point that is like an anchor in the storm that shows you that God loves you now. Despite all this other data, he loves you now. Because he loved you. Look what he did. Look how he loved you. And then, Paul says, well, then it changes everything. Then you'll look at everything else differently. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Then, you see, you look up to the heavens, down to the depths, around all human existence, neither death nor life. Why? You are in Christ now and you'll be raised with Christ. Death itself is no longer a separation from love. It's a doorway. To the world, to the new world of love. Neither angels nor rulers, that is no supernatural force can separate you from God's love. You Christian never need fear that a curse or satanic oppression or something can separate you from God's love. He's won over all that. Christ triumphed over the powers and all the spiritual forces at the cross. Nor things present nor things to come. In other words, neither your present sins. Nor your past sins, your present sins, nor even your future sins can separate you from the love of God. Neither present things nor things to come. Nor powers. I love this. He inserts a single word here, powers. You you see, it's all in a series of pairs. Nor this, nor that, nor that, nor the other. And then suddenly it's powers. One word. Why? It is to show us that he is not merely spouting empty rhetoric. It is rhetoric based upon logos, upon truth. It's not just fancy language. No, no, this is the true cosmological scope of the historical work of the cross that makes it impossible for a follower of Jesus to be separated from God's love anywhere. That is, no powers, no powers whatsoever in the whole universe can separate you from the love of God. I think well—is that really true? So he goes: nor height, nor depth. Whether you are on an aeroplane or in a submarine, whether you are in outer space or you are in the inner space of doubt, whether you are on a spiritual high right now, and you're in a spiritual lull, whether you're on a mountain or you're in a valley, the historical fact of Jesus' death and resurrection who took hell for you and ascended to heaven that you might escape hell and be glorified with him, that historical event where he loved you has present and future, massive scale and scope. And in case we can think of something that he has missed out, he concludes not anything else in all creation. I think that covers it. Yes, uh, the text is saying, the Bible is saying, ask the real questions by all means. But then... Look at the truth. You know, I think the Roman Christians paid a special attention to this part of this book. We know how um, some of them died. The historian Tacitus tells us. uh, Nero made their deaths farcical. He dressed them in wild animal skins. They were torn to pieces by dogs, crucified made into torches to be ignited after dark as substitutes for daylight. But they overcome. Early witnesses observed how when thrown to the lions, the Christians would uh, leap over the backs of each other, eager to protect one another from the lions. And it is said, the crowds hushed in amazement, whispering to each other
0: how they love each other.
1: And they conquered the Roman Empire. One uh, great early Christian leader was... uh, Threatened with prison for his faith, he replied, "Well, you can throw me in jail if you like, but God's love will still be with me." They decided they better up the ante, and so they said, "Well, we won't just throw you in jail; we'll throw you into exile. We'll throw you out of the Roman Empire, and you'll be there with those barbarians a long way away, and we'll put you over there." And he said, "Well, you know, God will and His love will be with me there too." Frustrated, his uh, persecutors said, "Well, then we'll kill you." smiled and said then I will see God you see this is not unrealistic this is the true power of the love of God in in Jesus Christ look then at the cross and therefore look differently everything else look at the Christ you see how this is constructed this amazing text so beautifully put together look look at verse 35 and compare it verse 39 verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ verse 39 nothing can separate us from the love of God so for the Bible Christ is God and God is Christ So you don't, you, don't, you don't just look at the cross where Christ loves you, this sort of Jesus prophetic figure, you know, he died on the cross, okay. And you don't just then look differently at all creation, uh, therefore. Actually, the foundation of all this is the identity of Jesus Christ. That is Christology, that is Jesus as Lord and God. And this is the foundation of everything Paul's been saying, from chapter 5 through to chapter 8. Let me, let me show that for you. Chapter 5, verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life. Here's how he concludes that section. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then chapter 6 verse 23. Here's how he concludes the next section. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. Chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through whom? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Finally, chapter 8, verse 39. Therefore, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because it's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, The authority and power of Jesus Christ as Lord and our Lord is the bedrock of your confidence, Christian. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. At the feet of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. At his name, demons flee. Dictators tremble, the true master of the ages and cancer and persecution and famine will all be defeated when there'll be no more crying for the old order will passed away and the lordship of Jesus revealed at his return. And that truth, that glorious truth as you look at it will put fire in the belly of the trembling Christian. It will give authority to the weak and wounded. It gives the church The church in this politically correct, secular age, it gives the church the strength in its humility to counter all enemies and strive triumphant as the city of God, victorious, against which no foul fiend can win. For we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ conquered all. What do you think will separate you from the love of God? Because of who Jesus is in him, nothing can and therefore you are more than a conqueror let's pray together Lord, in this beautiful place, in this moment of quiet, we raise to you our real questions. How is it that you could love me when this happened to me? We raise our real fears. Will I be able to overcome when this person dies or if I lose my job? We raise them in your presence and leave them at your feet. and we look at you and where you loved us and we worship you as Lord and God and rejoice in you We are more than conquerors. In that precious name of Jesus. Amen.